in this series on unprecedented, this idea that God is doing a new thing, a thing that's never been done before. I love the idea. So the Isaiah 43, verse 18 says, Remember not the former things. This idea that how it has been done in the past, where you've been before, this is speaking to me also, it doesn't have to be that way. The, the, it also, this morning, is speaking to me of moves of God that have happened in the past, revivals that, that have been heard of. I, I grew up in the, in the 90s. In the late 90s, there was a, a, a revival that took place. Uh, many of us have heard of it, maybe called the Toronto Blessing. There was the Brownsville Revival. Uh, that is an awesome move that I was part of. Saw God do some awesome things in restoring uh, sons to their fathers. It was really cool. Um, there was also just this outpouring, this new uh, idea of how the Holy Spirit wanted to uh, restore joy to the church, which was really an awesome time through that. And this also this 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 idea of a there was really a resurgence of worship music that started in the 90s. I think you'll you'll remember that. Um, where recorded worship started to happen. And now we're starting, I would say, I wouldn't call it a revival, but there's this move of prophetic worship that's taking place even right now. But I believe that we've got to be careful to not remember those things. It's okay to recognize those things, but not be stuck in how things were done in the past. That We have to do it that way because God wants to do something unique and new in this place. And we see that as we move on. It says, don't consider the things of old. Don't even consider that as a way I want to do things in this place. So this is, I believe, a very strong prophetic word. This is our theme scripture, I believe, for Word of Life Miami going into 2018, as God gave us the word of unprecedented going in for our word for the year. And then verse 19 says, Behold, take it in, look at it, see it with your own eyes. This is something that you will experience, see, know, and walk in. Behold, I am doing a new thing. I love it. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I feel like Miami, Oklahoma is that place. This northeastern part of Oklahoma, even going down into Delaware County, we've got this idea that this is a place, as I see it as, <coughs> as being the new guy on the block, this is a place that is uh, full of wilderness. We are living in the middle of the wilderness. We are in a desert, and God is ready to make a way in the wilderness, and he's ready to spring up rivers right here in the middle of the desert. I know we've got the river that runs right through town. It floods. But in, in, in a spiritual sense, God's doing something new. It's not like anything else. So when we show up in this place, and God begins to do things in here, and you start to think, well, I've never seen it done that way, or it's never been done that way before. That can't be right, because I've not seen that. Listen, those are stinking thinking words. Those aren't words that we're going to use here at Word of Life Miami. We're going to seek to see God, not in a new revelation outside of the Word of God, but in a new experience that is firmly rooted in the Word of God. You hear what I'm saying? You with me? 
All right. So the last couple of weeks, we've looked at Noah and understanding that Noah and his unprecedented life was given a revelation. That revelation was very clear on he he hadn't seen rain. He hadn't even done. And he built this big boat. What's a boat? I don't know what a boat is, but God gave him a great revelation. He was rescued. I love the idea that God has set us in a place of rescue. He sent us his son. And we got that great uh, picture of just as Noah was shut in the ark, Jesus was shut in the grave. But we know that Noah came from the ark, came out of the ark, and Jesus came out of the, pretty cool, wasn't it? Awesome that he came out of the grave. Come on now. Come on. Just because we went somewhere and the peace of God doesn't mean we lose the joy of God. That's, listen, it's a little sidebar here. So many times we as Christians get so deep into the presence of God that we get a sour face. Have you ever been there? Like, oh, God's so good. Listen. Just because we encounter the presence of God doesn't mean we have to lose the joy in his presence. His presence is full of joy. Amen? Okay. So, and then we also found out that he received God's gift of righteousness. I love the, the picture that we have there. And then last week, we learned about Joshua, that he didn't short, stop short of his passion. He had endurance. His obstruction or his obstruction, his obstructed perspective didn't stop him. He had faith. The progress didn't look obvious, but he didn't quit. We understood that he trusted, and the process seemed open-ended, but he finished. That was awesome. I love that. This week, we're going to look at three Hebrew uh, men. We're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What awesome names. No, not really. They were actually Babylonian names given to three Jewish people, and it's crazy because their Babylonian names were like giving them status of like gods. They were named after gods. It was terrible, this Babylonian system that was set up. But these three men decided that even though they were given Babylonian names, even though they were set within a culture of Babylon, they were not going to bow to, act like, live in, or be like this culture, something that we could easily mimic in our lives, something that we could follow to the T. I would recommend any one of us in our lives that if we would look at this story, it would be something that we should play out and look at very closely. Now, here's the challenge that I have this week and I've had with the last several weeks, and that is I grew up knowing these stories. They are almost like nursery rhymes. Think about it. We could tell the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We can tell the story of Noah. My little ones can tell the story of Noah just like they could probably, some of you could tell the story of Hansel and Gretel. Or you could tell the story of some Jack and the Beanstalk. Listen, these are real biblical stories. These things actually happen. And we've got to find ourselves in a place where we move away from the, what are those stories called? Fairy tale. These are not fairy tales. These are true events. That occurred. And so I spent most of this week not even writing a story, but trying to read these as if I'd never seen them before. Trying to look into these stories and discover them like never before. Discover them as if they were brand new, not some fairy tale, but this legitimate thing that happened. And I read them for the first time, and it was really cool. So one of the things I set out to do was not just read Daniel chapter 3, but find out. Who were these people? What was the background? What really happened? What was going on in these people's lives? What makes this story significant and how can we play them out? How can we apply them in our lives? What's the significance for us in this room 
today. So here's the background. We understand that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were actually friends of Daniel. That goes back, we read about them in Daniel 1. They've got completely different names at this time, but we recognize that there were four men, Daniel and these three other guys, that were come before the king of Babylon. His name was really long, Nebuchadnezzar. And they they were brought before the king or before this this these group of men and they were going to live in the benefits of the king they were going to be fed well and they were going to be taught the culture of the king now the challenge that they found is they these four didn't want to eat a ton of fat they didn't want to eat a bunch of garbage they wanted to stay true to the culture of their king they wanted to stay true to the culture of God. They wanted to stay true to their Jewish heritage. They knew that if they would stay in line with what God had ordained for them to stay in line with, they would be promoted, they would do well, and it would go good for them. Are you following me? So they go before the, 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 the overseer of this whole thing, and they said, hey, listen, we want to do this. And he was like, no, don't. There's no way. You're going to be just like everyone else. And they said, hey. Just give us 10 days to prove ourselves. So for 10 days, they were given an opportunity, and they only ate a specific diet. And at the end of that 10 days, they came back, and it turns out they were outperforming. They were learning better, and they were doing better than all the others. So we've got this set up in front of us that these four guys were doing better because they honored the God that they served. I like that. I like that a lot. So then they're given these new Babylonian names after that. Uh, Actually, they're given the names, then they did the whole diet thing. They're set apart uh, in this specific lifestyle. What I really found, this was really cool, in, uh, in, the, in chapter 2 of Daniel, um, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And, okay, Nebuchadnezzar was this egomaniac. He, was, he felt himself as like a god. And he had this dream, and it really freaked him out. And so what he did is he brought all of these uh, magicians and fortune tellers and all of these spiritualists to him. And he told them, listen, I've had this dream. It is tormenting me, and I want you to interpret it. But so that I know that there's no manipulation, you have to tell me the dream too. What an egomaniac. Tell me the dream too. Oh, and if you can't tell me the dream, I'm going to chop you up into pieces and you're going to die. I'm going to just... Wipe you all out. And, and so these, these fortune tellers and these magicians would come before the king, or Nebuchadnezzar, and they'd say, why on earth would you expect such ridiculous things? It is impossible that we could even tell you these things. And so he'd be like, fine, I'll just kill you all. You don't even get a chance now to guess you're all dead. Well, Daniel hears the word. Daniel's considered in this class of people. And he asks for an audience with Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, king, but before that happens, He goes to his three friends. Now, they're now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, guys, I've got to go before the king. Would you please, and in Jeff's interpretation, Jeff's words, would you please spend some time in prayer and fasting for me? Spend some time in the presence of God, seeking him and praying for me. You realize that these three guys were were Daniel's closest friends in the area of prayer and intercession. So we recognize, first and foremost, that these men were close to God. Now, we know later on that Daniel is this dude that refuses to, to, to um, stop his prayers um, before his God because Nebuchadnezzar wanted, he was tried to sabotage by some other religious leaders. And, and so he's thrown in the lion's den. And we understand that, of course, the story, Daniel's not eaten by 
the lions, right? So <clears throat> we understand this is a very, very close to God kind of do. So Daniel, after, while his three really close friends are interceding for him, Daniel goes and he says, listen, king, what you've asked, uh, let me just tell you, I know your dream and I know what it means. Mic drop. I'm not going to drop this mic because it's a really, really nice, nice mic. And I, I may have a mic crush on this mic. But anyway, so, so we've got this huge scenario set up where we understand how real these three dudes are. They are sold out. They are solid. They have a significant faith in their God. They have seen him real. They know him real. They have tested him somehow because they are not wavering at all in who they are in their king you get it do we understand who these three dudes are okay they're not just some fairy tale guys with hard names to say unless you grew up in the veggie tale area era and you know you just know them as rack shack and benny but they are legit okay so fast forward a little bit daniel chapter three and i'm going to read it in, it, in it in its entirety, and then I'm going to give you five observations, which I like to do, and we're going to close. Be that easy. So Daniel chapter three verse one says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a good. No, he did not make a good. He made a gold statue. It was ninety feet high and nine feet wide. It's a big dude, and he set it in a recessed area in the wall in the province of Babylon. Verse 2, King Nebuchadnezzar sent messengers to assemble the satraps, governors, mayors, military advisors, treasurers, judges, officers, and all the other provincial officers to dedicate the statue he had set up. Then the satraps, governors, mayors, military advisors, treasurers, judges, officers, and all the other provincial officers assembled to dedicate the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They stood in front of the statue. The herald called out loudly, loudly, people of every province, nation, and language, wherever you hear the, or whenever, when you hear the sound of the ram's horns, flutes, lyres, harps, and three-string harps playing at the same time with all other kinds of instruments, bow down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever doesn't bow down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, I'm going to have one of those days. I'm just not going to be able to read straight through. So let me stop you right there. There is something that I want to caution you with in this story today that we as Christians need to be aware of. There's something that happens when music plays, when, when things happen, and it's very easy for us to be caught up in the emotion of things. And you've got this situation where this beautiful gold statue has been, uh, been put up, and, and all of a sudden this great fanfare and this great music. Listen, I want to caution you all right here and right now. Do not follow the fanfare. Do not get caught up. Just because it sounds great, looks great, has shiny lights, and is beautiful, it does not mean that it is part of the presence of God. It doesn't mean that it's right, and it doesn't mean that it is good. Listen, Abigail and I had a date night the other day. And we went and saw The Greatest Showman. Now, this is a, this is a good movie. Visually. But let me ask you this. Weigh it against the word of God. Weigh it against this. It's flashy. It's showy. It's got all kinds of fanfare. fanfare. The music is fantastic in it. Right? The vocals are off the charts amazing. Who knew? But is it good? I think there are people that are Christians that have given it more attention in the last weeks than they've given their God. 
Now, I'm not coming against down on the movie. I'll see the movie again. But listen, how many times have we bowed to something because of how shiny the music that was played, the, the, the fireworks that went behind it, the marketing. Let's get it in today's vernacular. The marketing that went into it, the, the, the special effects that were behind it. The fame of the people that were behind it. The packed arenas that they could do. The, the, the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars that they put into the special effects. I, I, I was watching the, uh, the, was it the, the Pittsburgh, was it, no, it was the, 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 uh, the Saints and Vikings game last week. And there was a picture, by the way, I'm disappointed my saints lost, but I am, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, go Vikings. School? Um, so, the, the, God, oh, here I go. Rabbits, stay off of my lane here. So, there was a picture. So, that you've got this packed, packed stadium, right? This dome, packed, beautiful, but fully packed. And they do this pan outside, and the, the roads are covered in snow and ice. And they're having horrid, horrid winter weather. And you've got, I don't even know what, does anybody know what the seating capacity of the Viking Stadium? It's tremendous. I mean, it's going to be where the Super Bowl is held this year. So just think about that. And it was full. And then I thought, we've got churches that are closing their doors Wednesday night. Not, not, not against them. I understand. I, if we had to plow a parking lot and all of that stuff, we may not have had service Wednesday night either. People wouldn't show up. I was very pleased last Sunday that the majority of everybody that I would have expected to be here was here. But I'm just like, we can't get people to go outside when it's a little bit cold. Heaven forbid there be a little rainfall. It impacts our attendance at church. So all I'm trying to say is from this right here, be careful what it looks like because there are counterfeits. I had a conversation with a pastor friend of mine in the Texas area, and we were talking about churches putting up lights and fog and all of that fun stuff, and I meant to fix that thing so it wouldn't do that. Lights and fog and all the fun stuff that goes with that. And, uh, and I'm for it. Listen, I am for atmosphere. I, w- we will, I keep telling you week after week, we're going to have some colors and some neat lighting in here. <coughs> Hopefully this week it <laughs> It might be the week after, but I'm for it as long as it is not a counterfeit Holy Spirit. So many times that we've got churches that have, have done all of this great fanfare and done some awesome things with lighting. And people come in and they're moved by what they see and not moved by the presence of God. Hmm. All right, I better get back or we're never going to get done with this. Verse 7, as soon as they had heard the sound of the ram's horns, flutes, lyres, harps, and three-stringed harps with all other kinds of instruments, all the people from every province, nation, and language bowed down and worshipped the gold statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Hmm. After that happened, some astrologers came forward and brought charges against the Jews. Speaking of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They addressed King Nebuchadnezzar, Your Majesty, 
May you live forever. Your majesty, you gave an order that everyone who hears the sound of the ram's horns, flutes, lyres, harps, and three-stringed harps playing at the same time with all the other kinds of instruments should bow down and worship the gold statue. Your order said that whoever doesn't bow down and worship him will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Verse 12 says, there are certain Jews whom you appointed to govern the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men didn't obey your orders. Listen here, when you are burning for the presence of God, there will always be someone accusing you and try to quench that fire by throwing you into some kind of negative fire. Listen, the hotter you burn, the more attraction you're going to have. And I don't mean like people are going to be drawn to you. Well, they might be, but there's going to be people that are going to hate what's going on in your life, and they're going to begin to hurl accusations at you. They're going to try to shut you down, shut you up. They're going to try to get you in trouble. They're going to try to point to your faults. They're going to look for reasons to to, to discredit what God is doing in your life. And I'm going to tell you this morning, stand firm, stand strong, and know who your God is. You've got to know who your God is. But I don't want to get ahead of my points. Majesty, they don't honor your gods or worship the statue you set at verse 13. Then in a fit of rage and anger, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Immediately they were brought to the king. Ooh, I did that in a wedding once. Turn two pages at once. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't honor my gods or worship the golden statue that I set up? When you hear the sound of the ram's horns, flutes, lyres, harps, and three-stringed harps playing at the same time with all the other kinds of instruments, will you bow down and worship the gold statue I made? If you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into blazing furnace. What God can save you from my power then? Ooh, dangerous ground. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to answer your last question. Boy, are they crazy. If your God, whom we honor, can save us from a blazing furnace and from your power, he will, your majesty. But if he doesn't, you should know, your majesty, we will never honor your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Listen, there's something about that. I know that healing has been made for every one of us. It is a given. It is God's will to heal. I know that it is God's will for marriages to walk in harmony. I know there are certain things that God has ordained, set in motion, put in place. And I hate to even throw a but in here, but I'm going to. But if he doesn't, my faith is there. Listen, it is his will. We need to walk in some healings that God has appointed for us. I need to walk in a healing that God has put in place for me over my lungs and the asthma that has 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 just ticked me off for the last several years. You watched me cough through worship this morning. I know that God has ordained healing for my life. I know that he has called me into healing. But if he doesn't now, that is not a disclaimer. That is not a a an out for my healing. It's, it's just to make a point. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't rescue my financial struggle, if he doesn't, what Jesus did on the cross, if he never does anything else, that was enough. Him rescuing me through salvation was more than I ever deserved. Do you follow what I'm saying here? 
So here's the, if he, if he never rescues me from anything else, if I come into this place and strum the guitar and sing his praises and I never experience his presence in my life, if he banishes me to another island where I never experience anyone else or his presence again, the fact that he saved me and he delivered me from hell is all that I ever should expect from him. But he called me his son. He called me his friend. And he called me his heir. And with that, there are benefits that I cannot even describe this morning. But here they are before Nebuchadnezzar. And their answer is, if he doesn't, you should know, your majesty, we will never honor your gods. If he doesn't rescue my present situation, I will never find another god to try to rescue me. Because no other god can do the basic thing that he has done for me, which is not basic at all. But he is the only one that could rescue me from hell. He is the only one that can make it possible for me to enter into the presence of God someday or now. When I said yes to Jesus, thankfully, I said yes to eternity that starts today. When I said yes to Jesus, I stepped into eternity. I don't have to wait someday to die to step into eternity. I stepped into all the benefits of heaven. I stepped into the, the, the desires that he has for me. I stepped into a new way of living, a new way of thinking. I stepped into a, 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 a new life, a new a rebirth. I stepped into all the benefits the glorious king has for me. I stepped into his culture. I stepped out of a culture of death and I stepped into a culture of life. Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with anger towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in verse 9 that, he, that his face turned red. He ordered the furnace should be heated seven times hotter than normal. normal. It's getting hot in there. He told the soldiers, he told some of the soldiers from his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's key word. He tied them up that they could be thrown into the blazing furnace. And the three men who were, who were thrown into the blazing furnace, they were wearing their clothes, hats, and other clothes. The king's order was so urgent that the face, that the furnace, sorry, was so extremely hot that the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were killed by the flames of the fire. They didn't even go in, and they were killed. Now, these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell into the furnace. They were still tied up. I'm telling you, the world might tie our hands. This that we live in, this flawed, this sin-filled, this nasty, messed-up world that we live in, this place that's full of free choice and free will, this thing that why does bad things happen to good people, has tied our hands. The Nebuchadnezzar started. Start, was startled. He sprang to his feet. He asked his advisors, didn't we throw three men to the fire? That's true, your majesty, they answered. The king replied, but look, I see four men and they're untied. Say hallelujah. Walking in the middle of the fire and un, unharmed. <clears throat> but the fourth one looks like the son of God's. Listen. The world might tie our hands, but listen, righteousness that is a free gift that comes from only what Jesus Christ has done for us 
It is the most freeing thing that we will ever experience. The world ties, but righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ is liberating. It is setting us free. And I'm going to tell you right now that on the surface, the world might try to do things to us. It might try to tear us down. It might try to burn us up. It might try to hurl accusations at us. It might try to do all kinds of things to us. But I'm going to tell you that when we walk freely in the righteousness of God, there is no weapon that is formed against us that will prosper. There is nothing that can come against us. They can tie us up. They can tear us down. They can distract us. They can mess us up. They can ruin us. I'm telling you in this place today, the world may ruin, but the righteousness of God sets us free. And that's good stuff. What are the things that the world has your hands tied with? And I simply say, Jesus, cut me free. Jesus, cut me free. The Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the blazing furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of... He gets it now. He, rec- he doesn't get it, but he recognizes it. Sh- servants of the Most High God, come out here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire from the king's satraps, governors, mayors, and the advisors gathered around the three men, and they saw, they saw, they saw, they saw, and I'm here to tell you this morning that when you walk in this kind of life, when you walk in this freedom, the world might have started out trying to hurl all kinds of accusations against you. The world might have tried to mess things up for you, but at some point they're going to see the hand of God on your life, and all of a sudden they're going to be shut up with their accusations, and all of a sudden the only words that are going to come from your mouth is, I see the hand of God on that person. I see how God has moved in their lives, and they're going to quit giving glory to the world, and they're going to start giving giving glory to the hand of God that is upon your life. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. The hair on their heads, it wasn't singed. Their clothes weren't burned. They didn't smell the smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar said, praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angels, and he saved his servants who trusted him. Listen to these words. Sent saved servants trusted those words that define you has god sent for you and saved you yes but are you now one that he calls a servant that he can trust Shadrach or Nebuchadnezzar then goes on and say they disobeyed the king and risked their risked risked he risked their lives he risked their lives so that they would not have to honor or worship any god except their god so I ordered the people from every province nation or language who say anything slanderous about the god of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they will be torn from limb to limb their houses will be turned into piles of rubber no other god can rescue like this no other god rescues like this no other god rescues rescues like this there's no other god there's no other god little g because we have a god big g that is the only one that rescues that is the only one that meets us in the fire and when we go into the fire we will come out singing like the best of them then the king promoted say promoted he promoted shadrach meshach and abednego to higher positions in the province of babylon So let me give you my five points really, really quick. Really quick. Look at this nice mess on the floor. Really quick. Five points. So observations here. This is how to stand in the fire. Five points. 
First, we must be persuaded, not by the world, but by our king. We must be persuaded. We see this in verses 16 through 18. It says, when they stand before Nebuchadnezzar and they say, even if he doesn't, we will not bow to you or your gods or to that statue. We must be persuaded. Are you persuaded today? Are you persuaded at who your king is and what he is capable of doing? Are you persuaded of the calling that he has placed on your life? Are you persuaded that he is going to see you to the finish? Are you persuaded in his presence? Are you persuaded? Number two. We would be naive to think the pressures of the world would ignore us. So we must expect that there will be pressures of the world. It's called knowing your enemy. Pressures of the world will come. But when we expect them, it's called being on defense. It's called putting on the armor of God. It's called when you've done all you can do to stand Stand. Remember, we talked about this last week. This is facing head on, not turning tail and running. This is knowing it's like David going before Goliath and saying he might be able to kick my butt. But I serve a God. I serve a God that's bigger than his insults, that's bigger than his arms, that's bigger than his sword. And with my tiny pebble in this sling, I'm going to take him out. We see this in verses 19 through 21. Man, the pressure was so the pressure was so hard on them that the furnace was turned up. Number three, this is huge. This is probably the hardest one for most of us. Myself particularly. We must Rest in God's protection. We've got to know that he protects us. Even if he doesn't, they said, we will not bow. Stephen, in the New Testament, surrounded by his accusers. Stones ready to be thrown at him looks up and beholds the glory of God, finds it in his heart to forgive those that are accusing him. And in that moment, he is stoned to death, but completely in the rest of God's protection. You've got to realize that this world we live in is temporary. But eternity is fantastic on this side. What I mean, see, what I mean on this side is on the, on the side of the king. Eternity rocks. So let, let this world throw whatever it may at me. Number four. We must live in God's promise. Again, Nebuchadnezzar made the fire so hot it killed some of his strongest soldiers. Fire is deadly <laughs> for some Not for me. Not for you. I say, turn it up. I say, turn it up. 
throw at me what you've got. Isaiah 43, 1, two, 1 through 2, he's referencing the situation that these three men have gone through. And it says, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Listen. I only know one all-consuming fire. He is an all-consuming fire. Let him be the one that consumes me. Let him be the fire that consumes me. Not this piddly little furnace that the world tries to throw me in, turned up so hot that it may wipe out my accusers. It may wipe out those that mean me harm. But it will not wipe me out. My last point, we must trust in the timing of God's promotion. He will, he will promote you. When all is said and done and the world sees the hand of God on our lives, when we've made it through that furnace and the consuming fire of God is the only evidence that we've got upon our lives that show his work within us, which is the best consuming fire that could ever prevail within our lives. When we are the ones that are standing with our hair unsinged, our clothes not smelling of smoke, when people have seen that within the fire it was Jesus, the one that has sustained us, when people can know and see upon our lives that that is a person, that is a man, that is a woman that has walked down daily that has been in the presence of God they can see that the glory of the Lord shines upon them with a glory that is not fading but is ever increasing they can look at you and say that is a person that has been in the presence of the king they are one that walks daily arm in arm with Jesus I will tell you there will be promotion coming your way there will be promotion and I'm not talking about at work I'm talking about people will look to you they will look up to you they will know you as one that has answers they will know you as one that can help them in their circumstances. They will know you as one. I'm looking at a room today full of kings and priests, those that God has promoted to do great and mighty exploits for the kingdom of God right where you are and in the nations and in the world that is around us. And I will tell you today, know this with everything. You must trust in the timing of God's promotion. The calling of God that you thought you once had that has died is not dead. You just need to rest and wait on the timing of God's promotion For in due time, He will exalt you and He will lift you up and you will be and see and walk and know the fulfillment of that. You must trust in the timing of God's promotion. Look at Him. Are you persuaded this morning? Are you aware of the pressures but not pressed down? It's Paul that says, I'm pressed but not crushed persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. I'm blessed beyond the curse for his promise shall endure and his joy shall come in the morning. Thank you, Daryl Evans, for making that scripture so easy to remember. Are you resting in God's protection? Are you living daily in the promise? 
And the hardest one, he trusts in the timing of his promotion. And it goes back to last week. Don't stop on the sixth time around. Don't sit down a day too soon. Listen, this, when you look at the world today, this is unprecedented living. I ask you this morning, are you going to live an unprecedented life? This is not how the world tells you to live. The world tells you to give up, bow, follow the trends. So when we started this, and we're in the process of starting, we're not, we haven't even launched Word of Life Miami. Just so you know, this isn't, this isn't our launch. This is our pre-team building, whatever you want to call it. I've not read a single church planning how-to book. I've not read articles. I, I don't know how to do this on purpose. Not because they've done it wrong, but I believe God has called us to do things differently. Again, not because they've done it wrong. There's some awesome church plants going on. I read this week that this month, ARC, which is a major church planning organization, is, planning, has, is launching this, this month 15 churches. There's one in Bentonville, Arkansas, that today was their launch service. Um, a friend of mine, um, Alex Graves, their launch service was today, and they're launching with two services. So we probably could have done things and marketed things and had a launch already with 150 people. That's not how this is going to work. I'm okay with that. We're going we're gonna to just do it the way God wants to do it, and I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and I'm going to be like, God, how? And he's going to say, do this, and I'm going to do it. And, he provided this building, and when I didn't know what we were going to do, I just knew he said January 7th, start something. And I said, where? And he said, not there. And he said, not there. And we got closer, and I was like, where? And he said, wait. And I was like, but 7th is coming. And he said, it'll be fine. And the 7th came, and we were here, sort of. I mean, we had stuff to put together still, but we were here, and we had an awesome time with God. And then last week, we had another awesome time with God, and today I am blown away. It's getting better. Anyway. Let's see. Maybe I should have called today five ways to live the unprecedented life. I don't know. So I guess my question, I'm going to land the plane now. The hardest part of a, for a preacher to learn to do is land it. How do you wrap up a message? How do, we, how do we live this tomorrow? It's great to come in and hear me preach and I and feel good about the message, but how do we apply that tomorrow? I think it starts... And point number one, what are you going to do tomorrow that you didn't do last Monday? Where are you going to do, what are you going to do to build upon your personal walk with God? Be persuaded. Let's pray. Father God, help us, every one of us. Lord, I even need a continual dose of persuasion. Lord, I pray every one of us would be not just convinced, but know you. 
as the one. Lord, every day I think there's opportunities to cause us to have doubts. Lord, help us today when those doubts come up to push them aside. Say a doubt might peek in or sneak in, but today I choose to curse the doubt and find the victory. Find the life you have called me to. Father God, we just love you. That's it. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to find a place to just lavish my love on you as you lavish yours upon me. Lord, thank you for meeting us in this place. Lord, I'm thankful that when we walk out of this room this morning that the meeting doesn't stop. That you go with us. We make a difference throughout the week that church didn't happen today. This was a gathering. The church happens out there on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And Lord, let us be live a life that people want to be part of and that people just randomly come up to us and say, whatever you've got, I want. Give us those opportunities, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone that was specifically moved this morning, Lord, help them, show them, direct them. Lord, speak again. Lord, for that person that would say, I haven't heard your voice in a long time. I've heard it and it's been gone. I feel like it's back again. Lord, I pray that would be strengthened. Lord, thank you for rekindling giftings and anointings in this room this morning. Renewing passion in this place. Revitalizing vision in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before we go, Wednesday night we will st- we will be meeting at our house. Um, if you uh, want to be there at six o'clock, it's just going to be a night of eating, ha, and of worship, and of prayer. And just a time to just seek God for this, whatever this is going to be. Is it okay that I don't have I don't I've been asked to write a long term a, a, a plan, and my plan is going to be very.